0: Hello and welcome everybody. This is Abdullah, co-founder of Silverlight Community and your host to the Mean Who podcast, the show that sheds light on the movers, shakers, and shapers of the creative and cultural industries. Continuing our theme on conceptualization, we're here today with Utkarsh Amital. Utkarsh is the founder and CEO of Network Capital, one of the world's largest career intelligence communities. He is a writer at Harvard Business Review, Chievening Fellow at University of Oxford, and a World Economic Forum global shaper who represented the community at the annual meeting in Davos. His first book, The Seductive Illusion of Hard Work, has become a global bestseller. He also writes for Mint, Economic Times, and World Economic Forum. Utkarsh is also a trained actor and played Major Metcalf in one of the world's longest-running plays, The Mousetrap. He loves to travel and has been to more than 80 countries. Utkarsh, thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for hosting me.
0: What would you like to add to the background that I just shared?
1: You're very generous with your introduction. I just want to add that I have a new book that has just been published. It's called The Fashion Economy and the Side Hustle Revolution. And in the book, I explain how work is getting unbundled from employment. And today, thanks to the internet uh, and many other tools, people are doing what they love, teaching what they love, and making a living doing so. And this is an example in the book.
0: And am I mistaken to think there is a strong correlation between the creative industries and the passion economy?
1: You're absolutely right. Uh, the creative industries have a lot of uh, commonalities with the passion economy. I mean, I define passion economy as this emerging trend where people are uh, you know, starting to do things they are innately curious about at scale and making a living doing so. This is very different from the key model, which is, say, Uber for X model, right? With standardized uh, creativity but gave a lot of uh, productive advantages to the platforms. Now, in the passion economy or in the creative industries, uh, it was always considered that either you're creative or you're a business person, either you're productive or you're creative. Now, today, you can be creative, productive, and you can monetize uh, things that you're interested in. And I explain in the book and through my various pursuits on network capital, that now is actually the best time to be a creator because you don't necessarily need to be dependent on charity or old other methods of uh, monetization. You can actually build your community in a way what you, you're doing at uh, Silverline. And once you have a community, you can figure out unique ways to serve the community and creators are uniquely suited to doing that. And I explain that... Uh, in the book, in my Harvard Business Review articles, and even my own life. You know, the way I quit my job at Microsoft to work on my passion project, my side hustle. And today, uh, Network capital has grown many folds. We've raised funding from Facebook and, and a wide range of things. But uh, this is not unique to me. This is a new trend that we are seeing where people are feeling empowered, especially the millennials and Zs to follow their creative spark, to follow their passion and uh, make an income doing so. Doing what you love or teaching what you love, this is the best time to embark upon that adventure.
0: Speaking of trends though, Utkarsh, is there a specific trend within the creative industries that people uh, seem to be adopting as part of a passion economy, like a certain
1: trade or a certain craft? Or I think so. So, to answer that question, let's look at the history of the internet. So if you look at the history of the internet, the uh, web 1.0, the first wave was about sharing information, right? Google won that error and, you know, it was uh, monetized through ads and clicks and what have you. Web 2.0 was about platforms, Uber for X, Airbnb, and that increased the GDP of the internet big time. But most of the profits went to the platforms. Now, web 3.0, which I'm really excited about, is about ownership. And uh, blockchain, uh, the technology, is at the forefront of shaping this uh, you know, third wave of the internet. And in Web 3.0, you will look at creators and passion economy participants really focus on ownership. Because unless and until you have equity, unless and until you have skin in the game, it's very difficult to actually have financial freedom or creative freedom. So in the third wave of the internet era, you will see creators really look at their craft Doing it at scale and having a part of the pie. So I look at Web 3.2 as the most important trend, or among the most important trends of the creator economy of the creator industry, and uh, it is manifested in various ways: N- non-fungible tokens or NFTs. I know some people think it's uh, it's a fad, and some people think that uh, it's the best thing on the internet. Uh, I let people have their own judgment about the issue, but NFTs is in the simplest way about ownership and about patronage. And I call it the access economy. And this is finally a way in which artists can do creative work, build an audience around site, have equity, and uh, just have it on the chain forever. Every time you, you know, somebody uses an, an NFT, the artist gets paid a slight bit. And it's immutable. And it's on the chain, so it's verifiable, and there is no need of middle management. So this Web3, again, this revolution about ownership, about permissionless leverage, is something that I feel all creators must be excited by. It doesn't mean that you have to go out and mint an NFT today. NFT is just an example. It's not even clear whether the trend will last or not. But it's demonstrative of a larger shift that we're seeing in the economy uh, and in society.
0: Well, it's definitely changing because it started off as collectible NFTs, and now they're gearing more towards utility NFTs. And with that, yeah. uh, but between the combination of collectible and utility, you mentioned accessibility, which is a huge part of the Web3 ecosystem. But then you have uh, a lot of the international luxury brands, let's say, are jumping on this bandwagon of the metaverse and mm. Web3, etc., mm. creating these limited edition pieces that are only available digital. Then joining the um the multitude of people that want freedom and accessibility is this something good or bad in your opinion
1: yeah i uh abdullah just to be clear i wanted to talk about both um accessibility and also about access so Mm. when i look at uh, access it's about uh, when people you know, that uh, the NFT artist that sold his painting for about $59 million, that painting, it's impossible to evaluate it using objective metrics. So people wanted to, to pay homage to the artist, be part of, uh, or get closer access to the artist by by participating in, in, in the auction. And I think this is human nature. If you look at the way, uh, we all want to belong somewhere. NFTs are one way in which uh, people are paying homage to the artist. And when it comes to accessibility, accessibility, you're right. Sometimes uh, we have to think about what if the metaverse or what if the uh, third wave of the internet becomes too elitist. So I'm really interested in building like a creator economy middle class or the passion economy middle class where uh, of course there'll be artists selling stuff for hundreds of millions of dollars and then there'll be artists or creators who may not make anything but uh, it's really important for this trend to scale and become equitable that we form a middle class of the of the creators and in that i'm really passionate about uh, the thousand true fans concept that kevin kelly came up with which says that in order to make a living on the internet you don't need millions of people and you don't need the advertising dollars necessarily. What you do need are 1,000 people who truly believe in your mission and they're ready to support you financially. They're ready to uh, support you in other kinds of ways. And that's how you start. And inherently, it's a scalable idea because once you have 1,000 true fans that truly believe in you, they tell their friends and their friends tell other friends. And that's how a movement happens. So, when it comes to access, yes, a lot of it is about demonstrating access or demonstrating uh, or paying homage to somebody you care about. And about when it comes to accessibility, I do feel that it's really important that we build like a creator middle class.
0: You mentioned something about how the passion economy can also give you the freedom of creation. Is it safe for me to assume that uh, writing is one of your creative passions?
1: Yes, uh, uh, writing is very much my, uh, it's something, writing, acting, you know, doing movies. These are things that I'm really uh, interested in. But uh, when it comes to writing, Abdullah, I also want to say that now, now it is an important tool. for. I mean, it is linked to my, in- are, you know, they, they do make me money. And the articles that I write for magazines and newspapers, etc., they do make money most importantly the writing that i do helps me scale my ideas and share my ideas with the world to give you an example if you google career transition an article that i wrote for harvard business review is the first link that comes up now it's obviously it's good for me it's good for network capital but it's really to me i'm a mission driven person the fact that you know a heartfelt article on my own career transition uh, can impact potentially millions of lives is something that gives me a lot of Meaning. So the point that I want to make is that yes, writing was a hobby. Uh, it still is, but it is now linked to my, you know, income. And most important, it has helped me evangelize my ideas. I look at the creator stack. When I talked about work getting unbundled from employment, I also have a creator stack. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an investor. I'm a writer. I'm an, uh, you know, I'm a fellow at Oxford. And I am an actor. All of these things I'm able to do on the internet without burning out or without feeling exhausted because I define and I look at when uh, artists and creators and entrepreneurs talk to me. And there are three elements of meaningful work autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And the passion economy, the creator economy has the potential to unleash this at scale autonomy, mastery, and purpose. It doesn't mean that everybody will get it when they want, it just is indicative of the fact that this trinity of uh, autonomy, mastery, and purpose is possible a lot more in the passion economy than in the gig economy.
0: During the creation process, do you at all worry about or should people worry about their intellectual property and how to protect it?
1: You know, I, I think they should. It's one of the reasons why I'm really bullish on the web 3.0, the ownership economy, because artists should have equity and artists should not have to fight over their creative capital. So on the chain, on the blockchain, it's uh, very easy to verify ownership. It's very easy to figure out, you know, every time somebody trades, it's very easy to trace it back to who the creator is. Look at the NFT ecosystem. Yeah. So it's uh, the way you get paid out for your royalties is integrated in it. You don't need lawyers or intermediaries to figure that out for you. So I absolutely feel that ownership is a birthright. Everyone needs to have it and everyone needs to, uh, you know, be able to define their digital property, not very differently from the way we define our physical property. I'm recording this podcast uh, with you, in my, in, my, you know, in my home in London. And yeah, we take a lot of care of this home that we live in. And I and I think in the years to come, we will start taking care of our digital home with as much seriousness as we take our physical home. And that digital home is essentially intellectual property.
0: Wonderful, Utkarsh. In both of your books, and I believe in also what you're doing in Network Capital, is that you're challenging a lot of existing concepts and trying to create a different avenue for people to explore how to view something that we've been facing for decades and generations and view it from a different angle. How do you think we can inspire the creation of a spirit or a culture of challenging existing concepts and creating new ones? How can we have more Utkarsh?
1: Very kind of you. I would say, how can we have more Abdullah as well? But the idea is that, you know, everyone has a superpower. Yeah, Abdullah, you have a superpower. I have a superpower. All the 7 billion people on the planet have a superpower. It's just that everyone's superpower is not the same. Unfortunately, our education system, our work culture, our uh, society want us to uh, be excellent in very similar ways, which means that everyone needs to go to a good school. Everyone needs to get married by a certain age. Everyone needs to have a stable job. Everyone needs to, basically, it's all about being similar and part of a tribe and it worked for some time but today your differentiation is your value proposition your differentiation is your birthright and again if you really want to not be replaced by a robot or somebody who can say outwork you you really want to do stuff that is truly creative so it makes economic sense but it also is fundamentally human in its outlook which is not trying to push people to be excellent in ways society wants it to be excellent, but for people to really follow their curiosity and then serve society in the way that they are most capable of doing. Now, let's imagine your superpower is physics, and I force you to play basketball, and you're not particularly good at it. You you, you can never do very well. You can't really help the world not looking at your superpower but unfortunately for hundreds of years that's exactly what we've been pushing through our education system through our uh, you know other ways of uh, working now it's time to change that work is getting disrupted education is getting disrupted in very tangible practical ways on a daily basis and the people who are going to come out at the end of the tunnel happy healthy and uh, enthusiastic are the ones who will reinvent themselves multiple times now reinvention is not possible alone you need the help of a community communities like Silverline, communities like network capital communities like the world economic forum kind empathetic mission-driven communities which gives people the power to reinvent themselves follow their curiosity and again create this new kind of people who are passionate about uh doing what they love teaching what they love and defining their uh, relationship with work at scale
0: you're a mission-driven person Utkarsh, what is your next mission? Because I know that you've just published a book. I know wow. you're you're looking at your third or fourth baby right now. So what is your <laughs> next mission?
1: Um, my next mission is, um, you know, connected with what I told you. Through all my pursuits, you know, uh, from writing, acting, to building, investing, to participating in podcasts like this. My mission is just uh, similar. To empower people to have meaningful and interesting careers. Look, it's very difficult to have a meaningful life if you spend 12 hours a day doing something you hate. So there is a way in which people can truly follow their curiosity and build a meaningful career. I want to be the layer, the mentorship layer, the thought leadership layer, the investing layer that enables people to do that at scale in the UK, in India, in the Middle East, in 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 North America, in Africa, all parts of the world have a network capital chapter. I want to make sure that our impact is felt in every corner of the world because doing meaningful work is a birthright. Just the way ownership is a birthright. And I think that uh, the internet is filled with just junk career advice, junk advice about education, learning, work, etc., we basically talk in buzzwords. And I think I want to change that by enabling people uh, to do what they love at scale.
0: Utkarsh, I follow Network Capital specifically on LinkedIn, and it's extremely inspiring to read the beautiful testimonials that Network Capital members share about their journey of discoveries and how they found their true calling, etc. Is there a story from the hundreds or thousands of people that you and the network capital have changed. Is there a story that sticks in your mind today, to, to, till today?
1: There are many. Thankfully, what I do for a living, you know, gives me an opportunity to hear these stories on a daily basis. So normally uh, my day starts and ends with some of our community members messaging them how they got their dream job, how they got into their dream university, how they were able to restart their careers. But one story I want to talk about uh, is um, from a person who had lost her job in the middle of the pandemic and was really feeling low and uh, disenfranchised. And she was just directionless because uh, the job that she was in, she was giving her 200% to it. And then one fine day, she just got the note that her services are no longer required. It uh, it came as a surprise to her and she felt that her entire foundation was shaken. And we have this Career Restart Program, which enables people to restart their careers and rejuvenate their work life. So we introduced her to that. She participated in it. By the end of the program, she had uh, decided to do something completely different. She realized that she had spent the first 10 years of her work life doing something which she actually did not like at all. She was not interested in. So in one way, getting fired was perhaps a blessing in disguise. And uh, after our Career Restart program, she realized that and then she was able to pivot. So today, that person is actually a very well-known chef and she's uh, moved from banking to cooking. And uh, she realized that using the internet, using the passion economy, she now has the tools to do that. Using the thousand true fans model that I briefly talked about earlier in the podcast, she actually makes five times the income that she used to make at her previous company. And I think that uh, this is something this is, that really gives me meaning because we've helped this particular person substantially increase her financial capital. We've nudged her in the direction of doing whatever she really cared about. And she's now feeling much more energized because it's what she's doing is in line with her values. She's not trying to live somebody else's life. She's actually following her own curiosity. And uh, stories like these make my work interesting and adventurous. And also work helps me figure out how important it is for people to be nudged to their ikigai. This beautiful Japanese concept that uh, some of your listeners may have heard of. Basically at the fusion of who you are, what you love to do, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. This Ikigai is in a way a philosophical way to look at the creator economy, the passion of the economy. And seeing this woman find her Ikigai through network capital was uh, meaningful to me, very important to me.
0: Utkak, we can go on forever. Honestly, you're very engaging as um, a, a Mean Who podcast guest. But I would like to leave you with one last thought. What is the most common misconception about the culture of work that you would like to correct.
1: Abdullah I call it the seductive illusion of hard work title of my first book you know for long we've been fed this myth that the harder we work the more we succeed i don't disagree with you know with with the sentiment of this but having observed hundreds and thousands of people around the world I can say with reasonable confidence now that hard work is necessary but insufficient for success. So if you, if you have to pick something, pick the problems that you want to work on carefully. Pick the people you want to partner with carefully. Uh, if you're working very hard, but you're working on the wrong problem, you are not likely to find success. And this is something that is not told to us in schools or colleges or corporates or startups. Because we keep saying, oh, you must work hard because everybody else is working hard. Yeah, sure, work hard if you want to, but make sure you work hard on the problem you care about. If somebody were to you know, push me into, say, mining industry and say, oh, work very hard here, I mean, uh, that's, that's obviously not going to work out because I'm not super interested in that space. So most of the challenges that happen at work are challenges of picking the wrong people, picking the wrong problems, hard work, Sounds important and it is to some extent, but it is not the defining
0: factor. Utkarsh, honestly, I can't thank you enough for all of the beautiful um, wisdom that you imparted to us and with our listeners today, specifically when it comes to how to live their life from this day on, when it comes to their careers. Thank you so much. I wish you all the very best for Network Capital and hope to hear more about your books, your writings, and the concepts that you're pushing forward.
1: Thank you very much. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, I'm a big fan of what you're doing at Silverline and your other pursuits. Uh, may the world have more of Abdullah.
0: And, and may the world have more,
1: Utkars. Have a good day, Utkarsh. <laughs>